Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Unbound and Rewound Horror Podcast where we dive deeper into every horror book and movie for a closer look at their bone-chilling anatomy. I hope you enjoyed your time in Australia with Michael and I. If you missed the flight, don't worry. That episode is live and waiting for you. I did leave last week's guest with the kangaroos so that I could make it to France on time for this week's movie. It's a favorite of mine, definitely a top 10, but before we get into that, what are we streaming, reading, and watching? I have not even caught up to this week's Yellow Jacket episode. I did just get two months free of Paramount+, Plus, no sponsorship or anything, I just went to cancel it and they offered me two free months and I said, you know what? Yes, thank you so much. So, free trial extended. I will be watching Yellow Jackets. I have been watching Succession. I hopped on the Succession train, specifically the Kendall Roy train. I do love him. Uh, I'm only on, I think I'm on season three now. I mean, and I still love Kendall, so I don't know why people are telling me that I won't by the by season four. I don't know why. Uh, he's still my baby girl. And that's a great show. I also started The Other Two, which is also on HBO Max. It's about these two older siblings of this 13-year-old pop star. And it's really funny. Like, I don't know, comedy shows are a hit or miss for me. Comedy in general is a hit or miss for me because either the jokes are distasteful or they're just too, uh, no offense, millennials, but millennial coded. And I am not always, I'm a zillennial, I'm right on the cusp, but not all millennial jokes uh, fit with my humor. So that is a struggle for me to figure out. But that show is actually pretty funny. Um, and then I am still reading The Black Guy Dies First, the nonfiction horror book that I bought so long ago and I'm also reading Plain Bad Heroines which I'm hoping to cover next week for Pride Month. I It's not looking too good in terms of finishing it but I'm still I'm pushing forward you know. If you want to stay up to date with what I'm reading watching or if you want to tell me what you're reading and watching make sure you're following me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at your horror podcast that is you are horror podcast because this is your horror podcast the podcast you turn for the latest horror content and for podcast episodes such as what to expect for every new episode to come and before i even get started in this conversation i do want to say it is summertime here in the city and uh I, people love to be outside at this, at this time, which I love for them, but it's not always the best when it comes to recording my podcast. So, if you happen to hear a loud car, um, a loud stereo, you know, let's just, let's just act like it's not here. (laughs) Just pay attention to my words and my words only, okay? Perfect. The film we are talking about this week is a French film titled Raw, which was written and directed by Julia Ducourneau. The runtime is an hour and 39 minutes. 
and let me tell you first and foremost i love this movie i love it and even like preparing it for this podcast episode i learned a lot about it so the release of this film uh it was actually originally titled grave and it premiered at the Cannes film festival in france on may 14th of 2016 it did not get a theatrical release in the United States until March of 2017, and even that was a limited release. It's starring Garance Marillier as Justine. I do hope I pronounced that right. I believe it's a French name, and I took Spanish in high school, so here we are. And Ella Rumpf as Alex. I hope I pronounced that right as well. <laughs> So, this movie follows Justine, raised as a vegetarian, who arrives as a freshman at a reputable veterinary school, the same one her parents attended, and currently her sister. As she leaves the family home, Justine abruptly moves into a mad new world of strange school traditions and vicious initiation tests, and before long, she must contemplate her unshakable herbivore lifestyle. More and more, as Justine descends deeper and deeper into a hidden world of uncharted animalistic tendencies, an unprecedented and equally morbid craving for meat will transform her into a very different being. But now that her corporeal awakening is finally complete, is there a point in denying her hunger for raw flesh? Thank you so much to the random person on IMDb who provided this synopsis. However, it was so wordy and quite frankly for no reason at all it's really just about justine a girl who was raised as a vegetarian who goes to vet school and you know as someone who is like who's trying to transition into college from being a child pretty much she's experiencing all the woes of that said transition except for the fact that she ends up consuming raw meat which then unlocks a whole world of cannibalism so you know it's that's that's all that the random imdb man should have said but no no he had to use words like corporeal the reception for this movie this is one of my favorite things about like looking into films too is how it's received and sometimes i do think these are lying okay so the reception for this it was said that some viewers at the 2016 toronto international film festival fainted and received emergency medical care due to the graphic content this is also said to have been a thing for the exorcist for um what's that other movie oh my gosh i think evil dead as well was one of those i just think that's crazy like i mean Maybe there is some graphic content out there in movies that can cause people to pass out. But, like, I can't imagine passing out from just simply seeing something. Maybe, maybe I'm the crazy one. If you were there in 2016 and you're listening to this, I want you to personally reach out to me and tell me if you passed out or not or if you witnessed it yourself that's that is the only time where i'll believe it or if you have been at a movie theater where somebody has passed out let me know and they cannot have been passed out from just like not eating enough food all day like they have to have passed out because of what they saw on the screen that is the only way i'll take it i before this movie i didn't really consume much cannibalism content <laughs> uh i watched this last year but i also watched it before bones and all which love bones and all as well 
But cannibalism in horror specifically has always been used as an exploitation tactic, especially in the 60s and 70s. If it wasn't a zombie movie, cannibalism was used to villainize indigenous tribes or the idea of such. So while I can't say specifically when that changed or if it has changed at all, like if, you know, if there's absolutely no movies like that anymore being made, um, I can say the way cannibalism is used in horror today is vastly different. Sometimes it's used to portray love or queerness or consumerism. So like Bones and All, that was used to portray love and queerness interchangeably. Uh, and I loved that movie. Like, it completely opened my eyes to the way that cannibalism can be used in a narrative. And so I watched this movie for the first time last year. I can't remember what made me choose it to watch at the time, but I do know that it sat on my watch list forever. I, it was one of those things that, like, sometimes I'll sit and I'll just go through streaming platforms and look at all of the different movies they have and just add them to my watch list so that later on down the road, when I don't really want to look for a show or movie to watch, I'll just go into my list and like have them ready, you know? Uh, so that's what I was doing and I added this to my watch list. Every time I had the opportunity to watch it though, I never chose to watch it until one day I think I just said, ah, screw it, and I did it. And the longer that I watched it, the more I fell in love with it. The horror in this movie is purely visual perception and it's enhanced by the sound design. So there's no jump scares, really. The camera just lingers on uncomfortable moments to build tension. And the body horror isn't for shock value either or torture. It's the exploration of cannibalism that's horrifying. It's treated as like a like a coming of age kind of thing, like I said before, where it's just like the main character, Justine, is so curious about it all and is doing it because you know, because of that curiosity and desire to know, which is something that you do as you explore the world for the first time as a new adult. The pacing is perfect with the narrative effectively creating the college and character foundation from her being dropped off by her parents and soon being hazed. So the first 30 minutes of the film positions you for the rest of the story. As I was reading some reviews and just like general opinions of this movie, um, there was one quote that I saw that really stuck out to me. And so in this movie, as they stated, violence becomes a metaphor for awakenings of all kinds, sexual and emotional and mental. There's a juxtaposition between animal treatment slash rights and human treatment. However, it soon is more centered on the treatment and rights of women compared to animals. From the conversations Justine has with other students and nurses to the way she is soon treated and depicted, the statement that Du Cornell is trying to make is well received, at least on my end. And so before I even dive deeper into that, because I have so much to say, I have so many thoughts, so many feelings on this movie, I must, must give a spoiler warning. I know this is the worst part of the entire episode. I hate to spoil your fun if you are the kind of person who doesn't want it to be spoiled, but it has to be said, okay? So, if you have not seen this movie, you wish to see it, and you don't want anything to be spoiled, now would be the time for you to head on out of here. 
And trust me, even if you are one of those people who would like to watch it and don't care for it to be spoiled, this is definitely one of those movies that should not be spoiled. Like, I'm telling you right now, everything that is in this movie is best served when you have no idea that it's coming. Even, like, other episodes I'll say, even if you don't care if it's if it gets spoiled, no, I think you should care. So if this is a movie that sounds like that sounds like you might be interested in it, uh, I definitely would advise for you to watch it and then come back and then listen to what I have to say on it because it is a great movie, especially when you go into it a little bit blinded. So if you're interested in knowing more about my thoughts on this movie, how I felt about it, you can find another non-spoiler review on my Letterboxd at AveryCOF. I believe I rated it a four and a half stars out of five on Letterboxd. Uh, and it, it's weird because, like, I don't really have any dislikes for the movie, but I can't bring myself to rate it a five for some reason. I don't know. But I absolutely love the movie. I don't have any dislikes about it that I can sit and, you know, figure out for myself. So if you're interested in hearing more about what I thought about it, my review is up. I think there's actually two reviews on there because I've watched it twice now. Well, technically three times. But anyways, doesn't matter. Um, all right. And if you've already seen this movie or you don't have plans on watching this movie, you're just here to simply listen, first of all. Thank you so much. Wow, love you. Um, and let's get on with it, shall we? There are several instances in which we see this comparison. So starting with the first act, when the older students haze the newbies as they come in, it's like the very first day, too. They turn them into animals, literally, by herding them around campus, even making them crawl on all fours in very little clothing. They just, like, wake them up in the middle of the night, force them out of their rooms, and, like, yeah, whatever they were sleeping in, that's what they're currently wearing. I think it's, like, maybe the day after this, uh, Justine is having a conversation with her peers at lunch about the difference between a sexually assaulted monkey and a sexually assaulted woman. But for whatever reason, she's the only one who sees it as an issue, and she calls them out by saying, why are you in vet school then? Which is such a real question, because if you don't understand the, the fact that animals do have a... Uh, cognition and uh, self-awareness not self-awareness even like just emotional awareness um and yeah then why why are you trying to take care of them this is also around the time that justine is forced to eat uh i think it's a rabbit kidney like a raw rabbit kidney and obviously she's a vegetarian so she's never had meat in her life but as this hazing initiation situation, that's just part of it, and she's forced to do so. And once she does, uh, then she starts to have this really weird allergic reaction to it. When she's visiting the nurse, uh, the nurse discusses how another girl came in experiencing the same itchiness, and how that same girl mentioned the fact that every other health professional or nurse or whatever that she visited with the issue uh, would always comment on her weight and, you know, tell her that she's having this problem because she's just overweight. 
and how this is the first nurse that has not mentioned her weight at all. Maybe this is more so commenting on the beauty standards in France specifically, but I do think that even brings in an interesting concept to, you know, this comparison that we're talking about. This next part also just goes hand in hand with that as well because there is a specific part where Justine is throwing up, not forcibly, she's just throwing up, and a girl stops her in the bathroom and tells her, two fingers help, and then she looks in the mirror and smiles at herself, kind of like Cassie does in Euphoria. She's like sad, but she's making herself happy on purpose. Um, and in the second act, this is after Justine tries human meat for the very first time, which just so happens to be her sister's thumb. And Alex actually blames that on her dog, Quickie. She goes to the hospital because obviously her thumb was chopped off. She lets the hospital professionals and her parents think that it's their dog who ate her thumb instead of her sister. And this leads them to put the dog down. It, it makes you wonder how would they react if they knew the truth. And the third act is when we see it kind of the most, I guess. More so visually than anything, but... Um, Alex ends up exploiting Justine in front of the entire school, pretty much, while she's inebriated. She's drunk, but she's also, like, on this really weird, like, withdrawal situation. She pulls Justine into this morgue room and pretty much just takes advantage of her current state of mind to watch instead of to help her. And... I, as I'm watching this, I'm kind of thinking, is there any difference from the way that women are regularly taken advantage of at parties? Obviously, yeah, we're talking about cannibalism here, but still, it's so clear that Justine is not in the right state of mind, not in the right headspace, and instead of, like, ensuring her safety, her sister uses this uh, to her advantage instead. This is actually what causes their big fight to happen in this third act uh and so as they're fighting in the quad which is one of the best scenes in this movie but as they're fighting everybody's just standing around watching and so to break it up two men hold the girls by their collars like dogs and they're just kind of like writhing in the air almost like they're rabid <laughs> uh and the student body is just watching them and looking at them like they're insane quite frankly and I can't wait to talk about that fight scene either because there is that that scene is gold let's just say this movie is said to be queer-coded and I never truly can pinpoint why other than the obvious queer character however I do wonder if the sister is queer as well uh, you don't see her with any love interests, but the dad at the end reveals that what happened isn't her sister's fault. He goes on to say that it is their fault because um, they didn't find a quote-unquote solution. She got used to quote-unquote being herself. When when he mentions a solution and being in like just getting used to being yourself, 
my mind just goes straight to conversion therapy. Was that the solution you were thinking of? But at the same time, because this movie, the biggest theme or metaphor in this movie is just like exploration. I think it's just a bit more of a, of a broad queerness. Now, there is uh, one part, though, that also does make me question, but I will be talking about that later. Because now we're getting into themes. And you know, this is my favorite part of every episode. So, um, the biggest themes that I saw, which you will probably see as well if you look up this movie and just type themes right next to it, is coming of age and sisterhood and uh, just like the college transitionary period and that like kind of all flows together but I do think it's important to distinguish the difference especially in this movie because the sisterhood aspect and the familial traditions like those things can also occur when if you don't go to college and if you you know what I'm saying like it's they can occur in different instances but um, I also briefly wanted to touch on the theme of love in this movie as it pertains to feminine pleasure and power because let's not forget at the end of the day this is a feminist movie so starting with the biggest theme which is the coming of age aspect what makes this movie so engaging is that we watch Justine. I mean, it's like it's like your coming of age story. You watch Justine start as she grows from this, you know, baby freshman who has no idea of anything in the world to this now liberated and knowledgeable um, young woman who has made experiences aside from what her parents have solely allowed her to. And so it, it explores her character as she does gain more freedom, but in this movie, freedom is kind of masked with meat consumption. So Justine grows curious for more meat consumption, especially after she ate it for the very first time during her little hazing initiation. But you kind of get the vibe that she's ashamed of it. We see a little later in the film that she may be feeling guilty of her overconsumption in the form of throwing up hairballs, which just goes into that body horror thing. This movie is very big on body horror. You first get this glimpse of body horror when she does start to scratch, and it's like, ooh, it just kind of makes you, like, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up but it progressively gets worse and i think this the hairball scene is something that you actually don't quite expect and it throws you off yeah it definitely takes it up a, a step further she at at the time that she is throwing up the hairball uh she's just kind of struggling with this transition of hers in the form of many different ways you know her teachers are proving to be a little bit more difficult to work with um, the coursework is a little bit harder than she anticipated and even her sister is not providing the support that she expected to receive from her sister this kind of introduces their sister dynamic of kind of like the the push and pull of alex leading and justine following their relationship is established as rocky though it's maintained throughout 
the source of their sibling conflict changes as Alex realizes Justine's issue. It's similar to the change of sibling dynamics as you age and grow older, which is so interesting because uh, never did I imagine that me and my siblings would be older. So it's like the things we talk about now and the arguments we have, vastly different from who ate the rest of the cereal, you know? Alex even tries to help Justine adjust to this new quote-unquote adult lifestyle and she tries to fight it because she doesn't want to think that that's who she is. What I particularly like about this movie and how it interacts with cannibalism is the way that that it translates for this uh, sister dynamic because it's like, yeah, if, if Justine eats a man then that speaks more to like her femininity and her sexuality and everything like that but Justine eating her own sister so when Justine actually does eat Alex's finger at least for me I saw it as like Justine's desperation for Alex's love and guidance you know ever since she gets to the school she's constantly like she's just looking for Alex and trying to turn to her just for support or even just like time she sits in her room and does homework but then Alex quickly just kicks her out and you feel Justine's loneliness um, in every single moment that she is with her sister this makes for a interesting twist to the sister dynamic too um, because the love that is shown between them and the way that it is just kind of uh, materialized in this movie is so unique and so powerful. It's actually crazy that one of my favorite depictions of sisterhood is a cannibal movie, but here we are. And so when they're fighting in the quad after the video is spread around the school, they lose control and the way that they're doing it is that their hands are on each other's shoulders and so Alex bites Justine, Justine bites Alex and it's just the way that the music softens to the way that their breathing changes. It signifies how they're curbing their appetite with each other almost like they're finally leaning onto each other as sisters do. And so you have the entire like school standing around them watching this happen, literally thinking they're insane. But for just a brief split moment in time, like the world, there's no world around them. It's just them. And it's almost like the entire movie has been building up to this exact moment specifically. Following the fight, when the horn sounds to signal the end of their hazing, the freshmen are no longer rookies. It should be a happy moment, you know, it's the moment that specifically you can tell Justine and Adrian have all been waiting for because the whole hazing the the whole hazing thing is stupid. However, Justine is faced with the horror of Adrian being eaten alive. Not actively. He's just like the way that it's revealed to is crazy. But that ugh, wow, we'll talk about that in a moment. Um she at first thinks that she did it. She looks in the mirror. She looks at her face, like, and she begins to process the thought of her losing control and killing this person that she loved, especially because she restrained herself so many times. And then the dots are slowly connected to Alex, who's sitting in the corner with Adrian's blood on her face. And though Justine wishes to kill her sister, she just can't bring herself to do it. 
so instead she helps to clean her sister up the way that her sister has always done for her at least what we see in this movie and that is truly one of my favorite aspects to this movie is the way that du Cornell shows this sisterhood relationship because especially in horror and showing the intense bond and nurturing that sisters can have but in such a dark and twisted way absolutely love it as you do get into college or just move out of the house after you graduate high school you often do find yourself faced with the idea of breaking away from your family traditions it's something i still struggle with it's something that like you know everybody does and so while justine is trying to hang on to her dietary habits she's also trying to keep her muslim roommate in check by reminding him that he just picked up pork and put it on his lunch tray except he just simply does not care (sighs) there's several moments where this familial aspect is elaborated on as well especially towards the end once the truth is revealed as justine and her father sit and talk it's it all kind of starts to make sense and so you've watched these girls dealing with this secret keeping it from their parents because they think they've broken their familial tradition and because cannibalism is bad but the mother is truly to blame really for keeping it a secret because when you when you think about it technically cannibalism is no in this case in this case in this movie cannibalism is no different from like a genetic disorder or something that's hereditary like it's like you have it you know you're gonna pass it down to your children so you have to tell them you have to preface that otherwise they are they are literally going to destroy themselves and it even makes it crazier because justine's mom at the end is giving her like this the cold shoulder after it all happens which makes me mad because i'm like this is all your fault anyways had you just told them and like prepared them for what they would face then maybe we wouldn't be in this situation and maybe Alex would not be in prison. Especially because the mother, like this cannibalism thing only affects the mother and the daughters. So it's obviously a thing that occurs with women. So between that and like I was talking about before, just like this heavy emphasis on like the treatment of women and the rights of women and everything like that, And because cannibalism often is used to, uh, to symbolize love, there are brief moments where the movie talks about, like, the feminine pleasure and power within it all. But in order to save time, I won't get too deep into this, but it's something that becomes apparent towards the end when the dad reveals that Justine's problem runs in the family. And as he's elaborating on it, you know, he pretty much is saying that he stayed with his, he stayed with Justine's mom and is now like her meat supply. She just eats off of him. And, you know, the way that he prefaces it or positions it in his story is that, you know, her mom was wild in college and he could barely keep up with her. And then she found a way to manage and she just has to do the same. And so as I'm hearing this, I kind of wonder to myself, 
is this more so acting as a metaphor for the idea of like quote-unquote settling down after being adventurous and sexually free in college is her mother repressing her desire to explore or even is she repressing her queerness that she explored in college to be stable and to quote-unquote settle down I don't know it's something that I would really like to explore more as I watch it another time but because it was just such a brief moment in the movie I just feel like there's not so much there's not too much to cling on to there now that we've talked about the general notes and uh kind of just setting the tone for this movie uh, I would love to talk about my likes because I absolutely love this movie. Like, I, I actually don't have any dislikes, which is kind of crazy. I was already kind of talking about it before. But I have so many likes, which is kind of rare because even for movies that I can't, that I can't typically find something to dislike about it, right off the bat, I will find something to not like about it for you all, simply. Because it's kind of like, have you ever had a teacher in, in school where it's like they wouldn't give you a, a full 100 on an assignment because they're like, they're like 100s don't exist, you know? I, I guess I would say I, that's kind of like my philosophy when I rate movies. It's like, if I am not willing to rate it a five stars right off the bat, something's wrong with it. I just don't know what it is. Maybe it'll come to me later. The acting is top notch i feel like this story and kind of humor is one that you really need to put your all into in order for it to hit home the way that it does the actress behind justine is absolutely amazing which du corneau has previously said that the actress has been her muse for a while leading up to this movie for me the moment that really sold this was the video from the party at the end of the second act it really comes as a surprise because the party scene is cut short. You don't know what happened after her sister brings her to the morgue. Um, and so when Adrian pulls Justine to privacy to show her this video and you see the reason why everyone in the video is crowding in a circle, you really have no reason but to gasp. I love how animalistic Justine is and it's so disturbing, but... But you can't look away because you just can't wrap your head around the idea that a human can look that rabid. I also think the visuals and the sound design are so cohesive in this movie. And that's one of the things that actually make this movie what it is for me. It's one of my favorite things about it. More specifically, the way that they're used to change the tone um, in the second to third act when the two sisters leave the rooftop and then go to Alex's room leading up to Justine's Brazilian wax. Between the scoring, the low angled shot, and slow motion, it changes from this light-hearted tone to something more menacing and it's building the tension which gives you a hint to what's to come. And then, oh my gosh, the change in music when Justine licks the blood from her hand is one of my favorite parts in all of horror. Like, 
oh, it's so masterfully done. This scene is my favorite for the way that Justine just demonstrates everything going on in her mind leading up to actually eating Alex's finger. Like you see, you see every single thought laid out plainly on her face with the help of the music and, and just everything. It's, oh, wow. Like if I was teaching a class on film and was like, this is, this is how you use sound design to your, to your advantage. This is how you pick a great actress for your role. This would be the scene. And especially because in the scene, the horror intensifies gradually and masterfully from Justine getting a Brazilian wax, which was scary for her. So that's why the scene begins to build this tension to Alex's finger being cut off to Justine eating it. And you think that's where it's ending. But then Alex wakes up and sees Justine just chowing down on her finger, going to town. Just the the act of Justine consuming human meat is uncomfortable on many different levels. The scene is very uncomfortable on many different levels, but also it's the way that her desperation leads her to feed her hunger any way she can. And so after she does try Alex's finger, um, she finds herself at a party, um, like maybe the next day or the day after that. And, uh, she bites a chunk out of this dude's lip and so she's in the shower and she's washing, like she's just taking a shower. Uh, I guess she's just like going, like reeling over everything that happened. Almost like how when you eat chicken or steak and you get a piece of it stuck in your tooth, that's what happens with that guy's lip. And so she like gets it out of her mouth. She drops it to the floor. But so like now it's on the dirty like the dirty shower floor and she picks it up and she eats it and I think that's disgusting obviously the cannibalism is also disgusting but even then you did you do you forget you have decorum do you forget that there are there are rules in this world and eating off of the shower floor is is not one of those like no no thanks Absolutely everything about the ending is so beautifully done, so intentional and well-paced and well-revealed. There's so many reveals that, that, and how I was saying, there's no jump scares, but the reveals are what's the most horrifying about this movie. So when Justine wakes up the day after her and her sister have the fight, Adrian's laying right next to her. And she, like, slides her hand down his leg to find blood. When she moves the cover um, off of his legs, she finds that his leg is literally, like, somebody went to town on his thigh. Like, they, it was an all-you-can-eat buffet. And she thought it was her, you know, and she was struggling with that. Then, from this situation, Alex ends up going to prison for it. And Justine is now back home. And her dad slowly reveals that, you know, what happened to them at school is not their fault, but their mother's. And this is just like the cherry on top to this scene is him unbuttoning his shirt and showing how like he's honestly slowly being eaten alive, quite frankly, by the mother. 
just the horror on Justine's face and the way that he's like, you just have to find a way to make it work. And it's just all, wow, chef's freaking kiss. I love this movie. I love this movie so much. And if you can stomach cannibalism in a movie, especially because like I was having this conversation yesterday um, and it's like bones and all, for example. Yes, there's blood, but there's not a lot of graphic scenes. You don't see flesh being torn apart or anything. Whereas this one, you do. You get the just like raw, <laughs> no pun intended, you get the raw visuals of someone being a cannibal. And so that's like, I completely understand this film not being for everyone. However, if you can stomach it, this is such a great movie. Like, uh, I love this movie. Um, and I think everybody should watch it if they have the stomach for it. Now, like I said before, I don't have any dislikes. So I that's all I have to say on this film. Yeah, if you are interested in hearing more of my thoughts on this movie, uh, you can see my few reviews on it on Letterboxd at Avery C-O-F. If you're interested in any of my other reviews, thoughts, um, favorite movies, favorite movie scenes, any other kind of horror content, uh, make sure you're following me on social media at Your Horror Podcast. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And let me tell you, TikTok is the place to be. I have an absolute ball on there every single time. Um, so definitely join me on those social media platforms. Reach out to me. Tell me what you're reading, what you're watching, or tell me how you're liking the podcast. Um, you can also rate the podcast on Apple. I think you can also rate it on Google and on Spotify. Apple, you can actually write reviews for my podcast, um, but Spotify, I think you can really only just rate it, but either way, tell me how you're liking the podcast. Like, don't feel like you have to give me a five stars if you don't feel like I'm worthy of five stars. That's completely fine. I want your wholehearted, honest opinion, um, so make sure that you are rating the podcast and following the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to this on because you do not want to miss my upcoming episodes. I, there is so much coming, especially towards the beginning of June. I do have an interview with Bomani J. Story, the director and writer of The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster, as well as Leah DeLeon Hayes, and that's coming out June 5th. So I'm also posting a video for it, which I've literally never done on my very, very blank YouTube page for the podcast. So if you want to, I don't know, be ahead of the times, then subscribe to the YouTube page. I think it's literally just your horror podcast. Uh, thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. Next week, we are, we are joining a cult next week. <laughs> Uh, in Sweden. And if you can figure that out, figure out what cult that is, uh, good for you. You're very well prepared for next week's episode. Um, but anyways, thanks so much for tuning in and I hope to catch you next time. PhD in black cinema, sister soldier. Listen, I read my entertainment weekly, okay? I know my shit.